0: The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly guest Dharma series.
1: honored and grateful to have Franz here this evening. Um, the way that of uh, practice here of Qigong at Common Ground uh, is taught to us, uh, Mark and I, and Franz. And so this is like the lineage that, that he channels comes to view. He embodies all this joy and freedom um, and peace into the, the movements. Franz has 30, over 30 years of experience in Qigong and Taiji, And he's a long time vipassana practitioner and teacher. He's been a monk in Burma and in Thailand, practiced as a monk. He also teaches at Spirit Rock Meditation Center and Sight Meditation Society. He teaches internationally. And in case you're wondering about his, his wonderful accent, he's originally from Berlin. And uh, he's also taught in the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program at the Center for Mindfulness with John Kabat-Zinn, has trained and taught in that program in um, Massachusetts. And uh, just enjoy um, already the wonderful meditation and the, um, the wisdom that Franz has to share with us. So thank you, Franz. We're so happy to have you here.
2: OK. So thank you, Mara and Billy and my host here in Minneapolis. They really take good care of me. Today we even bought an egg cup. So, okay. So just about like uh, talking about the the meditation before what we're doing. So usually what we are used to in meditation we focus, concentrate the mind either on the breath or on the body or whatever. So that's one way. And the other way is like you open up completely. You're not concentrating on anything you're just observing whatever is happening and to see ways whatever is happening comes and goes on its own, we don't have to do anything very important, that's what meditation is about, it's not about to gain anything, meditation is not about to to uh, even become a better person or whatever, meditation is more or less to, to find out who you are and to come to full flowering in this life, very important so nothing to manipulate, nothing to change, to uh, Change things that ha- that it fit in uh, your life, or something like that. It's just to observe things as they come and go, and everything, the whole life comes and goes on its own. To see a sound come, comes and go, you cannot say no, I don't want that sound. You see, you don't have to do anything. Just the eyes, button. sound come and go, and usually, of course, we are you know attracted, you know, to thought. and Jung, We are gone, Waikiki or whatever. You just see that the sounds. So if we don't get involved in the story, this the uh, the thought, if you don't get involved in the story, the thought just come, stay for some time, and then chill, moving on. But Actually, I didn't want to talk today about that. I just talked today about what it says about in the program, dual cultivation. Dual cultivation of body and mind. And if you look at Buddhist literature, you know, shelves of Buddhist literature everywhere, bookstore, at your home, you'll see all these books and mostly are concerned about or write about mental development investigation, intellectual investigation, to check out how things, you know, work. And so even, you know, in the words of the Buddha, it says in the Dhammapada, the first saying is, the mind is a forerunner of all things. If one acts and speaks with a pure mind, happiness will follow. Like the wheel follows the hoof of an ox who draws the cart. The wheel of a cart follows the hoof of the ox who draws the cart. Mind is the forerunner of all things. If one speaks and acts with a evil mind, you know, suffering will follow. As, you know, the wheel of the cart follows the hoof of the ox who pulls that cart. So the mind is the forerunner of all things. And at other times the Buddha said, if the body is not cultivated, the mind cannot be cultivated. And if the body is cultivated, the mind can cultivate, can cultiv- be cultivated. And another saying the Buddha also said, There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. And in the Buddhist scriptures, the Buddha talked about four pillars or four foundations of mindfulness. And the first foundation is mindfulness of the body. And just for a moment, just, you know, think about Go back to the time of the Buddha, 2,500 years ago. I don't think people even had chairs at this time in India. So they were always active, you know, on the farm, whatever, you know, planting rice and doing things. So naturally, they were more involved in the body. Nowadays, you know, we sit, whatever. You know, breakfast, you go down, you know, get in your car, drive to the office, go to the elevator, go up, sit for the next, you know, seven, eight hours, go home, you know, sit in front of the TV, have your dinner, whatever, you know, and then go to bed. So there's not much physical activity going on, in, in, I mean, in the, uh, in the old days. So that means that's why the Buddha sort of like never spoke too much about physical activity, because it was naturally it was there. They didn't have to go to the gym, you know, in the old days or to work out or <laughs> run, you know, or something like that. Na- no, just think about it, very natural, right? And, uh, but in Chinese literature or in Chinese spiritual literature, they talk about, uh, they talk a lot about cultivation of the body. You know, you look like in Tai Chi, Qigong, or Reiki, or other, you know, healing practices. And, uh, and the monks, for the, so sort of like in monasteries, even in modest, uh, Buddhist monks in monasteries they learned, you know, different skills, like for instance, like martial art. Shaolin monastery coming in, you know, to defend their monastery against attacks from, you know, from bandits. Were roaming, you know, around the country because they were not allowed actually to take weapons in their hands. So they naturally they used to have, you know, skills how to defend themselves. And so it is said that the Bodhidharma who brought the Buddha Dharma from India to. Uh, to China, he founded that famous Shaolin monastery, and whether he brought the Buddha Dharma from India to to China, who knows? Because, you see, just think about it. In the old days there was a wheeling dealing going on, you know, between India and China. So merchants would come from India, you know, hearing about the Buddha or different practices. They would come back to China, they hang around having some chai, you know, some tea, and talk about it. Hey, you know, I just came from that age, from India, and they talked about, you know, this person, Buddha, what is all about. Yeah, well, he, you know, talks about, you know, life is unsatisfactory or whatever. Wow, interesting. And then another merchant came, you know, and talked about it. So that was sort of like the... The, the ancient uh, uh, email exchange or network or whatever. And so naturally, I think like Buddha Dharma, you know, was brought not so much by one person Buddha Dharma here, yeah, I bring you another Dharma more or less, you know, just naturally, you know, came, you know, via this merchant route from India or whatever to China. So in this case, in like in the Chinese tradition, physical and mental development was going hand in hand. Imagine like you know a hermit sitting in the cave somewhere in uh, in, uh, in the Himalayas, naturally in order to stay healthy, he had to do some movements or some exercises to keep his body healthy. You no, know, they had no like no ER at this time or whatever. So in, and and uh, not only in the East, in the old days, physical exercises were important because, as it says, a healthy uh, body furnishes a healthy mind. But also in the West, not just. I read a study done here in the West, I think in the USA here, where about just generally health was not only about diet, to eat right, but also to exercise. So even people, you know, they had the right diet, but they wouldn't exercise very much, okay, health was not very, you know, accomplished. And particularly here in Minneapolis, I see everybody is exercising, you know, everybody's on the road, In the gym, in the pool, on the bicycle, in the boat, whatever. So here you are quite, you know, familiar with physical workout. In India, like, where I live most of the time, somebody running on the street, they think, you know, he's like, somebody running. There was one Westerner, because I remember, he was running, jogging in the morning. And the Indians just staring, you know. So there's a cultural uh, difference a little bit. So, but before we cultivate something, before we cultivate this mind and body, we have to clean out. We have to empty. We have to let go. Before we go shopping at Whole Foods or whatever, we have to clean out the fridge, so to speak. Hmm? Or in the same way, you know, when you when you <coughs> develop a garden, before you develop a garden, before you put in the seeds, you know, take care of the soil, whatever, you have to take out the wheat. And in nature, you will see by itself, there's a forest, then there's a lightning, uh, you know, striking. Forest burns down, okay, so that new, you know, plants or trees can come up. Or sometimes, you know, in the other ways, like, you know, they burn down the trees in order to create a shopping mall. So it's always the intention, you know, what really counts and not actually the effect. So it's, so it's just a natural, it's a natural cycle of birth and death. And in Buddhist terms we call this Anicca, the impermanence. That means all compounded things will eventually, you know, you know, uh, dissolve. Whether it's this human body, whether it's a thought, a thought is much more faster than human body, or whether you look at cultures, Egyptian cultures, thousands of years, you're ruling the world, now a tourist site. That's about it. Or Greek, you know. Nowadays, you know, they're nearly, you know, Are bankrupt before, you know, leading philosophers, Heraclitus, Pythagoras, or whatever, you know, immense scientists. So that means generally what goes up must come down. That's just how things are. And probably you experience this in your life as well. Life is not always like, "Mm," you know, you're getting better, 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 but not like that. We wish it would be like that. But alas. So if you accept, that your life will be always up and down or we or will be not always but will be you know coming in cycles then your mind will be more at peace think about it if you accept that your life will have this you know up and down at one point then your mind will be more more at peace accepting that because only like when things are when we when something is wrong what we call wrong wrong means actually only we don't accept the present moment as it is and that's why we call it wrong So if we we think that something is wrong in our life, okay, that means then, okay, this is not accepted. We, We have done something wrong or whatever, right? But it's a natural cycle. What goes up must come down. You know, rain, rain, okay, then the sun is shining again. It's just how things are on this planet Earth. Very simple. So cleaning out, letting go. On a physical level as well on a mental level. Once, like, on a mental level, letting go, in Germany, we call our society Wegwerfgesellschaft. In English, I would translate it as throwaway society. We throw a lot of things away, isn't it? Like in India, you know, you don't, feel, you don't see so much rubbish, they always fix it, you know, whatever it is. Things are not thrown away easily, but something, you know, is wrong, off, okay, you throw it away. So somebody said, you know, this throwaway society, it would be good to have a throwaway mind as well. Right? It's just okay, it's gone, you know, gone, but we are holding on to it, no? Let go, and then that, uh, you know, if you just hold on everything, you know, holding on, holding on, then what happens? And after some time, if you don't clean the fridge, it starts to smell, more or less, isn't it? So on a mental-emotional level, letting go, we use in the Buddhist traditions, we use the practice of, or the meditation of forgiveness forgiveness is a letting go of uh, past suffering and betrayal past suffering and and betrayal and forgiveness is the basic of nearly all healing as the book of of miracles said forgiveness is the answer to nearly all questions forgiveness is a letting go of pain and hate or whatever we carry around us. Hmm? Forgiveness is also to let go of wishing a better past. So if you're holding on to whatever crutches we have about this person did this to us and this and us, who is suffering? This person maybe they go on Waikiki vacation or lie on the pool while we are suffering. So it's not so forgiveness is not about the other person, it's about yourself. And if you let go That means a new space opens up, and in that new space opening up, new people can come in, or new situations can come in. And so it's like this letting go of that old past suffering. It's a deep process repeated over and over again, and then it will be ripe in its own time. I, I don't want to talk too much about forgiveness, but it's a very uh, important part in letting go. So there's meditation. The first meditation is you ask others for, uh, for forgiveness. You know, you have you hurt have people too, isn't it? It's not only the others done ourselves some harms. Sometimes, or probably everybody, you know, has done some harm to some other people. So then the practice is to ask these people, you know, you call them in your mind, these people or situations. Where you know whether there was some struggle or misunderstanding or whatever, and you ask these people f- forgiveness. I ask you forgiveness, you know, if I have hurt you or offended you knowingly or unknowingly, unknowingly through my own, you know, misunderstandings, through my own fear, through my own, you know, anger or discomfort. I ask you for forgiveness. And the second part is, you forgive yourself. Forgive yourself where in situations you, you have done something wrong to your body, to your mind. And the third part is that you forgive others. So you recall again situations, you know, where other people have hurt, you or offended you, and that you say like phrases, okay. Uh, uh, <coughs> if you have hurt or offended me through your own uh, <coughs> through your own out of your own fear or anger or confusion, I forgive you freely. And that means like you're letting go. So it's as I said, it's not happening. At one point, you just do it one time, and then, you know, it's gone, you know. Sometimes you have to do it over again and again. (laughs) And only to that point where you can really let go, eventually. So, as I said, you have to do it maybe 50 times, 100 times. And sometimes it's just not possible that you do it. So then you just do it to to that amount, you know, where it's possible for you to let go. But it's very important to open up and let go on a mental-emotional level. There's one story I, I read in Jack's book about forgiveness. In the Babema tribe of South Africa, when a person acts irresponsibly or unjustly, he is placed in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. All work ceases, and every man, woman, and child in the village gathers in a large circle around the accused individual. Then each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time, each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in his lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All his positive attributes, good deeds, strength and kindness are recited carefully and at length. This tribal ceremony often lasts for several days. At the end, the tribal circle is broken, a joyous celebration takes place, and the person is symbolically and literally welcomed back into the tribe. They just had to release 30,000 prisoners in California because the jails were just overflowing. They couldn't hold them anymore. And in another article I read that professors at the university they couldn't find a job. So they had to be retrained to become prison wards. Now, what does it say about our society here? <laughs> anyway. So, on an emotional, mental level, forgiveness. Holding on. Letting go. Okay. Then, on a the physical level, letting go of, you know, of toxins, whatever. We use, like, Qigong exercises. Mm. In particular, what I'm going to teach you on this, we can call the healing sounds... We clean our body, particularly our uh, organs, via sound, color, and movements from stale and toxic energy. Of course, toxins we get from the outside, right? Pollution, electric, uh, electromagnetic pollution, etc., etc. And also, of course, st- uh, toxins from the inside, stress. Stress with your family, with your boss, with your, you know, with the kids or whatever, right? And so, of course, you know, over time, you know, in the beginning maybe we can, you know, okay, handle it or so, but over time, you know, it might, you know, manifest. That means then in order to kind of like to push it underway or not deal with it, we go to what we call like maladaptive, you know, practices or maladaptive behavior patterns. You go to the fridge, mm, up and down, you surf, you know, through whatever the channels, right? You're on the phone, you email, you know, just not to look at that stuff. And then actually, the next thing is you know, drugs, right? Alcohol or drugs, you get you know via the, via the counter and so forth, and eventually you know what happens, right? Heart attack, cancer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because every emotion, every emotion has a certain uh, vibration, similar like a guitar string. You know, guitar string different you know strengths or different sound. And then every cell and every organ also has a different vibration, different sound. So every emotion, conditioned by its vibration, relates to one particular organ. That means, for instance, anger influences the liver, fear influences the kidneys, and so forth, and causes a. In Germany, we call it a mistone, a sound which you know which is not right. You know, you play the guitar, you know, okay, that sound is not correct, so then you tune it again in the same way you know when this emotion relates or resonates with that particular organ something is going off something you know is not you know quite right and it meant and uh, if this condition runs for for a long time okay okay i'll say it differently and this condition on the long run is not healthy for the organ very simple and so to restore the organs to its original healthy frequency, the Taoists used like since hundreds of years they use the force of nature meaning colors, meaning, sounds, smells and so forth. And that's what we're going to do in the weekend using you know, different sounds and so forth to heal particular organs from uh, not only from the physical toxins but also from mental for instance, like the lungs, very simple lungs. the emotion of the lungs is like ah. Sadness, right? If somebody's sad, you know, it's like, oh, no, poor me, sort of like this kind of energy, right? And I said the heart, of course, you know, it's too much, you know, poison in the heart and people all over the place, you know, kind of like wiry and maybe like full of themselves and all that stuff. It's like a condition, heart condition, right? What happened then? Boom. Heart attack, whatever. Spleen, for instance, like, has the emotion of worry. Worry about this, worry about that, and, you know, they really cannot find a peaceful moment liver anger uh, anger you know impaired liver kidney, fear etc etc so then you know so we see that how the emotion is relating to that particular organ right i swallowed my anger you know you swallow your anger down right or that person is a pain in my neck you see a lot of things we have in in our you know in our society which relates to particular parts of your body or particular organs So, so after cleaning the fridge on a mental-emotional level with the forgiveness meditation, on a physical level with the uh, Qigong exercises, now we can go shopping for new nourishment. Now we can go to wholesome food. And for the mind, the nourishing quality of the mind, in the Buddhist tradition we call metta meditation or loving kindness. Hmm? And loving kindness usually is translated the sincere wish, for the benefit, for the welfare of all beings. And by all beings, that means also we, including ourselves. And that's usually where we start always with ourselves. Because in one way, or the Buddha once said, you know, we are the most closest, most serious, you know, in the world is our own, you know, body-mind. So Metta means to nourish your mind and body. To accept our mind as it is. Very important and not to uh, not to dwell in aversion to it to its shortcomings and not to focus on what is wrong with our mind with our body not to dwell in the unwholesomeness of our body mind mm-hmm. to be kind and gentle towards your own body and mind because trying to get r- to get rid of stuff we don't like about ourselves there's some aver- aversion behind it. I don't like this about myself. And the whole practice of meta is to accept the whole package of who you are, also with your shadow parts. It doesn't mean that you like, you know, your anger or so, right? But as Ajahn Sumedra said, you can peacefully coexist with your anger. You accept it. Okay, anger is there. It's part of my makeup, right? It's not like, oh, I hate my anger. No, it doesn't work, you know. There's some strong aversion against that particular. And the whole thing in order to grow, to, in order to become fully human, fully who you are at this moment, your shadow parts, what they call them, you have to accept them as they are, your whole package. So focusing on the good quality in oneself and others, and we all have good qualities, otherwise we wouldn't sit here. Right? And sometimes it's good to reflect about, you know, the good qualities. At one point, I was doing a test what I like about myself and what I don't like about myself okay so what I don't like about myself, okay this and this and this, oh, okay. long list. what I like about myself, okay yeah that's okay That, maybe three, four things and I looked at it and I said wow that's how I see myself you know all with you know what's wrong with uh, this body-mind and really what I like about it so it's very important at this time you know kind of like just to was a self-inventory, you know, like, okay, where there's something out of balance. I just like to to look at it, what's really good about it, about this body-mind, and then to focus on that one. You see a lot of people, they always go around pointing out what's wrong, what's wrong in our society, what's wrong, you know, with the economy, what's wrong, this, you know, and blaming other people, whatever, you know. But on the other hand, you know, you look at it, what happens, you know, also on the positive sides in our society, To focus on that one, on the positive aspects our body and mind and metta is also connection very important to connect and it's not that sentimental niceness mm, that you apply to every situation equally You know, nice you know yeah 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 then you become like a doormat mm. and people really don't respect you anymore people walking over you so being friendly and nice to people and being helpful because I want to be liked then the intention of my speaking or acting is that of fear. Fear of being rejected. Fear of low self-esteem. Maybe you know some people, always nice, you know, and it's maybe just the intention is, you know, just to be liked. That's why they're nice and helpful and so forth. So that means that uh, if I'm continuously occupied to present myself as, a, you know, a good person, look, you know, what, what, what I'm doing, etc., I'll lose contact with really with who I am. And the more I dwell in these vicious circles, you know, just to be a good person, the less I'll get authentic. I'll become more and more superficial, and that's how people will will, uh, relate to me on the surface. The core of my action is to be loved. But it's, it's normal, you know, everybody wants to be loved. All the old blues singers were singing around, you know. Everybody needs to be loved, more or less. And so people don't see me really as I am but people actually see a picture what I give of myself, you know. What I present to the people. So they really cannot get really in contact with who I am. With my whole being who I, who I am. And so it means, you know, just hang out with people who are always you know, nice and friendly, you know. At one point you say, okay, that's enough, isn't it? On the long run, nobody can stand a person who is always, you know, so nice, 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 nice. Because you know, over the time, you know, it's not really true. Anyway, it's just something, you know, to look at it. Sometimes we call that, like, also idiotic compassion. <laughs> I know, because, you know, I really have to have to let go, you know, or talk about myself, you know, I had to learn that. You know, it's like open heart, compassion, say yes to everything, you know. And sometimes you have to take out your sword and say No when it's like in relationships or whatever. Even understanding that this person is acting out of fear of her upbringing or whatever, or conditioned by the way she grew up, you know. And it's okay, so you understand why this person you know, acting or speaking like that. But at one point, it's like you have to say, no, not so. Yat Khan, I don't know, was a Sufi master, riding on a plane in the old days, and behind him there was another person sitting, you know, and then just putting, you know, his legs up like that in his back seat, right, so he kind of like, so he turned around and said, you know, please would, you know, let go, you know, it's, it's okay. A few times later, okay, the guy again would put up his feet and then he turned around and said, you know, you know, I told you, but it would be nice if you, you know, put your feet on, you know. So a third time, so then he got up and really screamed at that person. The whole plane was kind of like, wow! But that means at one point you have to say, okay, it's enough. Because some people say, if you're a spiritual person, right, you cannot have any anger. You have to be, you know, that, you know, soft, mushy, forgiving and everything and everything. So sometimes it's really, you know, to come in your full power and your full, that's what meditation is, you know, to come in your full power. Sometimes you have to say, no, not so. Of course, then in order to say not so, your wisdom has also to come in. Not So not saying it out of anger or you know, whatever, it has to come really out of wisdom and understanding and to say, okay, this is enough now. This was my, my first teacher, Cha Fu Feng. I used to live in a Taoist Hermitage in the Rocky Mountains for some years. And that what he was teaching us was to be authentic. Okay, one story, Okay, hello. very simple story. So we lived 7,000 feet high, we, we were like maybe 15 people, everybody built his own little cabin in a forest, you know, and the winter was pretty cold. No heating in it, you know, 20 below, you could as many blankets as you get, you know, just to cover the stuff. So in the morning, we got down in our trailer, that it was our community room, A big, you know, big, these big trailers. So then one morning he came down and said, tear down all the walls. So we teared on all the walls. So there was like the kitchen, then there was a fireplace, then there was a bathtub, then there was a toilet, then there was another open space. So everything was open. So in the morning, when we got down 4 o'clock, we all had to be on the, you know, in the trailer for our morning session. So everybody would taking a dip in the bathtub, you know, to warm up. So it's cool. it's only like five minutes, two minutes, so people already waiting in line. Next one would get in, next one would get in. So, OK, we didn't for so just to warm up. Anyway, and then we would make each, uh, our tea, and we were sitting around the fireplace, and then he came down, took a dip, and then we started the morning session. So one morning he came down and said, Franz, put in a new bathtub. I said, well, I don't know how to put in a bathtub. He said, just do it. Okay, so I got in, and over the time, okay, I put in a bathtub. Pretty proud of myself, wow, I put in a bathtub. So next to the bathtub, I put a little, like, a carpet. So when you step out of the bathtub, you know, you don't step, you know, on the cold floor, you step on a little carpet. Next day, the carpet was gone. I looked at Wow! And then, uh, so what happened, Mr. Don, who was like the second in charge after Chafu, you know, he just took it away. So I said, you know, oh, this is not good when you come out of the bathtub, you know, you don't have cold feet, and all, you know, kind of like, you know, you won't have a carpet and all that stuff. And then suddenly, Chafu, what's it called, a Chinese man, screamed at me. And he used that word bullshit. Okay, we had like three words. Okay, I don't... <laughs> he uh, came from the uh, tradition of Gestalt's Fritz Perls. I don't know whether you're familiar with Fritz Perls. Okay. So him and Fritz Pearls were like cats and dogs. When, you know, when they were in Esalen down, when they found it Esalen. So the three used most words were bullshit, son of a bitch, and mindfuck. So these are the three most used words. So he screamed at me, bullshit. And I said, what, me, you know, you should scream at him. And he said, Franz, go over, sit in front of Don and tell him, I didn't like that you take away that, uh, that mat or that carpet. Okay, so that was really clear, being authentic, I didn't like it, so I tell him, you know, I didn't like that, that you did that. What I was doing, I was trying you know, to rationalize it because you know, it's not good for that, it's not good for that, it's not good for this and this and that. And so that's actually what, we, what he uh, was teaching us to be authentic, to really say straight what's going on, what you're feeling, and not trying to be, you know, wiggle your way around. Anyway. So, nicey, nicey, in order, you know, to be loved. People playing different roles. So, just where a few, uh, a jump, a bridge, quantum theory. Quantum theory t- says all matter is energy and all things are connected. So, the ho- whole universe consists of energy, meaning molecules, atomic particles, subatomic particles, swirling around, you know, consisting, making all, you know, the cosmos, the stars. Animal kingdom, human kingdom, plant kingdom, mineral, king, mineral kingdom, everything is just this dance of these two opposing forces of birth and death, contraction, expansion, inhalation, exhalation, and so forth. And so the whole universe, I said, you know, consists of energy. And some are more coarse in their frequencies; some are a little bit finer. For instance, like a rock has a different vibration, different you know, coarse vibration than, let's say, like a flower. And so in the same way also the mind differs, the mind is also energy, more or less, and it's, but it's more difficult to detect, to detect the mind than the coarse vibration, let's say, of, of the earth or like this body, you know, this body, as I said, is earth. So it has a more coarse vibration, so it manifests in a different way than like a thought, or an emotion. But still, emotions are still, you know, just, you know, patterns, thought patterns with a different frequency arising and passing away like anger, jealousy, hatred, lust and so forth. These are emotions are more easier to de- to detect because there is have this you know, a heavy vibration with it. But some other thoughts you know like finer thoughts like thoughts you know of happiness sometimes or of uh, equanimity, peacefulness are much more difficult to detect because the vibration is much more finer. So outside the body yes. as we look at it, it appears as this form. But inside the body, it's just, you know, sensations arising, passing away, maybe what we felt in a sitting. But also in a Qigong, you know, you will feel very strong, you know, the sensations, just arising, passing away. The mind appears um, or manifests in thoughts and in words. But inside, on, a, on an energetic level, it's also just energy. So you see, on the outside it's it's different, body and mind, we perceive differently, but in the inside it's uh, just a field of energy. And that's what Eckhart Tolle also calls it, you know, this field of energy. And he calls like somebody said, what's about, you know, Chi, whatever is enlightenment or whatever. No, he said, Chi is a a bridge between the unmanifested and the manifestation. Not really manifested yet, it's still like on that level of vibration, etc. So we see on the, uh, on the inner level that body and mind, you know, energetically are the same and influences each other. They say the body is form but doesn't know. The mind is formless but knows. When a separation appears, when the I-thought comes in and, and attaches to a mental or a physical sensation and claims ownership because the I cannot stand alone. I, 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 doesn't do okay. I am thirsty, ah, okay, I'm thirsty, or I'm wondering, you know, how long I'm gonna talk now, whatever. So then the I, you know, comes into existence, but alone it cannot stand, so the I has always to attach to something, to a thought, to a physical sensation, and so forth, and so forth, and then, you know, and then it becomes alive. Means, then we are in samsara because as, as soon as an I there's an other and this feeling of separation appears and that's what in Christianity they talk about paradise right paradise maybe you call it here maybe nirvana everything you know honky-donky easy going you know and so forth and then Adam and Eve they ate from this tree of knowledge right the apple hmm? and then from the tree of knowledge means like ooh male female separation happens and then god said hello out
0: <laughs>
2: so paradise it's not something we have to gain in the future or so paradise is actually a state of mind without judging because the mind is judging without that you know you, you just sit here you know there's no judging at the moment but then you know of course you know right away you know whatever thoughts imagine coming up that's also what the six cent uh, patriarch said the way is not dis- is the way is not difficult for those who have no preferences but but we have to have preferences so it's a little bit like I uh, did a workshop with that guy who translated that particular in a saying and then we came to that conclusion that the, the saying originally should be who is not attached to their preferences you see if I have like two apples. One is good, one is rotten. I say, okay, which one you choose? Of course, you will choose a good apple. I don't know, but probably yes. Or let's say I'm flying quite a lot, so I check in. You know, the woman at the counter says, oh, would you like business? Of course I say yes. So I have a preference, right? But I'm not attached to it. If she says, sorry, you know, cannot, okay, it's fine with me too. So having thoughts or words of kindness Conditions our mind and body. Right? Matter again. Matter for your body and mind. Having thoughts and words or thoughts or words of kindness conditions our mind. Again, what I said in the Dhammapada. The mind is the forerunner of all things. And also, there's a study done, a science called PNI, Psychoneuroimmunology. States the interaction between mind and body. Every thought, every mood, Every emotion releases neurochemicals that seem to transmit happiness, joy and peace. Or fear, anger and depression. So again every every thought, mood or emotion releases neurochemicals in a blood that seem to transmit either happiness, joy or peace. If one thinks and acts with a you know, with a pure mind. Or fear, anger and depression and so forth it means if one thinks and acts with an impure mind. Like, well, come on. And they state that each cell has its own intelligence and knows exactly what to do without us to interfere. Like breathing. You are not breathing. If you would be in charge of breathing, I don't know how long we would be alive. Hey, you turned blue already. Have you had to breathe? Oh yeah, okay, breathing in and out. Or digestion. If you would be in charge of digestion, you would be very busy all day long. <laughs> or blinking with an eye, whatever, you know, things like that. So it means, you know, the body has its own wisdom, right? We don't have to interfere. In the same also with the mind, you know, you just sit here, as I said before, just drop everything, don't do anything. Just be here. Everything happens, in, you know, by its own. Sounds come and go, thoughts come and go, physical sensations come and go. You just sit like in a movie, right? You're sitting in the first row seating or whatever, theater, play, you know, and you watch, you know, the movie, what's going on. And sometimes what does it play? Thriller, last story, documentary. Sometimes it could be like the whatever, animal channel, or sometimes it can be like, you see like a C-SPAN, you know, when the news, and there's like the stock market below. So there's like this commentary, okay, right now, oh, I'm pretty peaceful right now, you know. nothing happened, you know. Or whatever, you know, there's a commentary actually, what's going on. So, but somehow, okay, let's just make a test I always do that test because I like it It's about to show really the interaction between body and mind How the mind really influences your body And for that one, I want you to bring your both hands together Everybody now And just put them together and you see like you Put the fingers together, your hands together Okay, you look at it, they're about same same Isn't it? You really have to look at it Correct, more or less. Okay, more or less. Okay. So now I want you the man put the left hand on on your on your left thigh, and to put the right hand like this. are uh, women opposite. Woman, right hand on your side and left hand up. Got that? Okay. So like that. And now you close your eyes. And now you bring your attention, your awareness to your hand, which is with the fingers pointing upwards and in your mind now you visualize that this hand is growing towards the heaven so that means the thumb is coming extending index finger middle finger growing a little bit like sprouts coming out you know in fast motion ring finger the pinky and growing further coming up. So now I got a big hand like a baseball glove, no? Okay. And it's growing, always growing upwards toward the light, right? That's your direction. So it's growing towards the ceiling and it's coming, you know, expanding. Keep yourself visualize, And it's all the way up, pretty fast growing towards the ceiling, now, not quite yet up, but it's still in the mind, you can sense it, visualize it growing towards the ceiling. And now actually your fingers are touching the ceiling, sense that. And now that your hand goes through that ceiling of that building, to the roof, all the way out and it's up there and it's on like on the trees, on the level of the trees and it's growing upwards like the trees and the same now as high as the trees the canopies and it's further growing up growing high all the way up and towards the heaven and it's growing we see the town of Minneapolis all the way down there it's growing your hand feel it and now it's pushing through the clouds and it's through the clouds and now you're above the clouds. Above the cloud it's like you know, like if you're in an airplane, right? Unconditioned, empty, sun is shining. And you grow, and you let your hand grow even further. Until you reach the stars. And beyond the stars into the universe, Into the universe. Okay, then coming back, open your eyes, and then again check it out, if something happened. Is there a difference? Can you feel a difference, can you see? Some yes, some no. Okay, who can see yes, Who, who sees a difference? Okay, one, two, three, okay, about half of you. Okay. So it's just like, you know, so you see, very simple, you know, how the mind, you know, conditions the body. Right? And so if we, if we go, like, into that victim role, for instance, like, I'm poor, me, you know, da la, la the universe says, okay, that's what you want, here you, you have it. Whatever it is, very simple. So that means, like, oh, yeah, I'm this and this and this and that, you know, and so forth. Okay, it will manifest. Mind is a forerunner of all things. So that means not necessarily, like, positive thinking, you know, like one of this, you know, new age development or whatever, but more or less just to be, you know, as it is, you know, just let the things come and go. PNI, psychoneuroimmunology. So, and the nourishment of the body, of course, is the air we breathe in and the food we take in. The two basic things for a human being to live on this planet Earth. And of course, you know, our health also depends on what we put in. The air we breathe in. I mean, here we got pretty good air, Minneapolis, but where I say like in India, you drive sometimes just through town, you blow your nose, it's black. I swear, black as, you know, as this cushion, just from one time driving through town. Or other bombardments, you know, by sound, you know. That's like every truck on the back, it has, please sound horn, please honk horn. Because people go by uh, sounds, not by sights. Anyway, if you have been in India, you know very well what I'm talking. So again, the quality of food and air conditions, partly our physical well-being. So of course, there's other factors with it, but generally, you know, very simply said, the air we breathe in is usually also uh, referred to the chi of the heaven and uh, the food we get. You know, food and water is referred to as the chi of the earth. And this will be converted into postnatal qi. Prenatal qi usually it's the stuff we got from mama and papa, sort of like when you came on this planet Earth, what you already got, you know, on your bank mm-hmm. account, and it's usually stored here in the lower back area. That means for some people, you know, they come on this planet Earth, they eat and drink, you know, not really eat whatever, all the burgers, they smoke, maybe drink alcohol, but some they are pretty uh, healthy. I mean, for s- some period of time. And some people, you know, they eat the best food, you know, buy it, whole foods, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, and all that stuff, you know. And always a little bit like sickly or so. So then the Chinese would say the first person got a lot on his bank account when he came on this planet Earth, and the other person just got a little bit. So this, what we got, this prenatal chi we can't do anything about it. It's just what we got. But what we can do, you know, during our life, we know how we can... Uh, kind of like nourish our body is like the so uh, air we breathe in and through so the food, very important. And also the air, breathing in, just like, just to refer, like in Qigong, you're always breathing with your belly, very important. Because that's our original breath anyway. As your baby, for the first couple of years, we are breathing with the belly. That's how the baby got, you know, the nutrition, via the umbilical cord. And so the first couple of years, we are breathing with the belly. And then they say an adult is just breathing with the chest old person just with the throat anymore and a dying person with the nose. And it's in the sage is breathing with the heels. And it, but in Qigong, we return again to our original breath and the belly. Because what happens, the exchange of CO2 and O2 happens in the lower lobes of the lungs. So that means as an adult, usually we just breathe with the upper part of the lungs. This exchange doesn't happen properly. And so there will be always some leftovers down there. You know, and some leftovers, it means you're really not cleaning out what happens after some time. Mm, whatever starts to smell. So then, like in Qigong, we return again to our belly breathing. And that means then the lower lobes of the lungs also getting activated, expanding and contracting and so forth. So, the other thing is also we already have Qi. So that's a similar uh, <coughs> similarity between... Uh, Meditation and like Qigong where they kind of like meet. Points like in Qigong means we already have Qi or life force. Qi is usually referred to as life force, life energy. If we wouldn't have any Qi, any life force, we would be dead. Right? And so that means only this life force, this flow of life force, you know, meridians and all that stuff, right? It's just hindered through obstacles, obstacles, physical obstacles, or also mental, emotional obstacles, like a river. You know, if there's a lot of, you know, rubbish in it, this river cannot flow freely. So you just have to take out the rubbish, and the river can flow freely. Very simple. In the same way in, uh, in uh, Qigong, oh, sorry, meditation. Again, in meditation, there's nothing to achieve, as I mentioned in the beginning. No goal, no enlightenment, you know, nothing to gain, no knowledge to collect. Ultimately, letting, letting go of concepts and forms. To become free. To become free means to remove this veil of ignorance. To remove the clouds so that the sun of awareness can shine again. Because the sun is always shining, more or less. It's only clouds, you know, which hinder the sunshine, the sun coming through. And so in this way also, the, the mind is already liberated, as they talk in a Tibetan tradition. It's only the obstacles, you know, all the thoughts, you know, the judgment, all these emotions which hinder, which uh, which doesn't allow us to see the pure, you know, radiance of the mind. So there's obstacle of the mind and obstacle of the body, but originally it's always there. It's just to let go of the stuff, you know, which hinders it. So it's the whole thing is a and letting go. And also in uh, meditation that can also be coming tightness. Okay, there was one example, okay, a a man couldn't progress in in his meditation and the Buddha with his wisdom I saw that this this man in the past life was a lute player, you know, lute sort of like a string instrument. And he said to the man, you know, what happens if you tighten the lute, you know, too strong or the strings, or they will break. Okay, If it's too loose, too loose uh, the the strings, what happens? Well, there will be not a nice sound coming out. And He said in the same way you know, in your meditation practice, not too tight and not too loose. And sometimes we can really uh, become very tight about our practice. where greed is coming in. Greed for to attain some, you know, I'm some states of, you know, whatever, you know, of, uh, acceleration of happiness, enlightenment, or whatever, you know, it's just based of greed. The greed to get something means to get something which is not here right now. And if it's not here right now, forget about it, because if it has something to be, to attain in the future, means you always you also can lose it again. So if it's not here right now, forget about it. In the same way, also in the in the qigong. If the body is too stiff, okay, it doesn't work. If it's too loose, also it doesn't work. If the body is full of tension, you know, particularly neck, shoulders, etc., you know, energy cannot flow, right, if you sit like that. Breathe, you know, just breathing like here. So the main thing also, you have to be relaxed. But not too relaxed, you know, that that you become like a vegetable. So it's sort of like the in-between, between tension and relaxation. So relaxation means not really to sit on your you know, when you come home from work or have to relax, you sit on a couch having your chips, whatever and you go (laughs) through. This is not really relaxation, it's you know, it's dullness, something like that. It's like animal realm, you know. Down. Mind becomes stupid. Okay, so relaxation means like it's uh, to let go of tension but not of substance, to be full but not rigid. Calm in motion, but with a vigorous presence, with vitality and spirit. So that's the ideal, like in the Qigong. (laughs) So, before enlightenment, we have to live with the body. And after enlightenment, we still have to live with the body. No matter where you are on your spiritual path of awakening, the body must be included. In Pema Chodram, a Tibetan, none mentioned it in ways... Okay. It is helpful to realize that being here sitting in meditation doing simply everyday things like working, walking outside talking with people, eating, using a toilet is actually all that we need to be fully awake, fully alive, fully human. Because what is life all about? What we experience or what we call life is what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we touch and what you think. The six sense impressions, so the mind is part of the uh, sense impressions. That's what life is all about. From the moment you came on that planet earth to the moment you check out. Do you know anything else? Very simple. And it's continuously arising and passing away. So, that's what she said. Still, this sitting here, these everyday things, right, is actually all that we need to be fully awake, fully alive, fully human. It is also helpful to realize that this body that we have, this very body that's sitting here right now in this room, This very body that perhaps aches and this mind that we have at this very moment are exactly what we need to be fully human, fully awake and fully alive. Right now, here and now. And Tsongkhapa, Tibetan master taught, this human body is more precious than the rarest gem. Cherish your body. It is yours for this one time only, a thing of beauty that passes away. So dual cultivation is dual cultivation of body and also cultivation of the mind. And mostly we think sometimes, okay, cultivation of the mind is more important than the body. But as I said, like you know, in some traditions, you develop the mind and the body at the same time. Not first develop the body and then you you know you carry the the uh, or first you to develop the mind and then carry the body with you. No, it has to be both, right? Remember. Like, I know where I live live in India, right? So, you are not this body, okay. Intellectual understanding. Oh, everybody, you know, saying, I'm not this body, blah, blah, blah. So when they get sick, oh, oh, diarrhea, whatever, right? You get, you know, very uh, sick very easily in India. Then I say, no, I thought you are not this body. And when you're sick, then the only thing what's really important is to get healthy again. Maybe all the other problems you had, you know, what you thought, you know, were really, you know, very, you know, big, you know, things in your life, they just recede in the background and you only want to become healthy again. So, very important to develop both body and mind. And then one thing, I don't know what I want to say about this body. The church says, the body is a sin. Science says the body is a machine. Advertising says the body is business. The body says I'm a fiesta. <laughs> and the mosquito says mmm lecker lecker. <laughs> okay. Lecker is like a German word a German word that means mmm, nourishment, chocolate, Hagen dust or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquito says. Okay. So thank you for listening. So now do you have any questions about, you know, what I said or so forth. or so any commentary? Mm-hmm. Not commentary. Would you talk a little bit about Shigong
1: and the the way of Shigong and how that culminates the
2: bike? Okay. Qi Gong. Obviously, just usually like to just to explain the word Qi again. Very simple. Qi is life force, life energy, permeating the whole cosmos, giving life to everything. Again, to the animal realm, kingdom, animal kingdom, mineral kingdom, etc., etc. In India, it's called Prana. and also in the Bible, it's called like autumn, or the breath of God. And you can read in the Bible when God, uh, when God created that human being or that body. He looked at it. I said, Ah, not bad. Okay, I don't know what he said. But anyway, not bad. <laughs> but see, there's something lacking. And then he pressed, it says in the Bible, I read it, he pressed it through the nostril, the life force, in that human being, and then that human being became alive. Okay. Life force. Energy. Pathways throughout the body called meridians, right? You're familiar with uh, acupuncture? When they put in the needles, meaning actually, they harmonize. Sometimes it's too much energy, too much talking, or when you your tenth cup of coffee or whatever, or sometimes children, when they are overexcited, their speech is not very clear, it's just too much energy. So then you bring the energy down. Or sometimes it's too less energy. Hmm? Then the energy is coming up. But in traditionally, in the old days in China, you would pay the doctor if you would not have to call him. That means he, if you stay healthy, he would get every month his paycheck. So, of course, he was happy to keep you healthy. And if you would have to call him, he would have to treat you for free. And then he would check, you know, first, like, how is your diet, what you're eating? How is your relationship to your family, to your boss, to your wife, etc., etc.? Then he would look, how is your, you know, how you sleep? that's where like think Shui is coming in you know where's your bed located you know if your bed is somewhere in the house you know sitting on a crossroad of course you know that's like very disturbing or you, or your bed is maybe under undercurrent water you know channel whatever also not very healthy and then he would you know uh, next one he would check then he would give you maybe uh, some Qigong exercise or some herbs herbal medicine and so forth and the last incident was always the acupuncture. If nothing worked, then the acupuncture, you know, would be the last incident. So that's qi more or less. And the word gong means actually any any activity which needs time, patience, and effort to cultivate something. Any activity, whether you, whether you learn, you know, computer programming or like uh, playing the piano, or whatever, all has this gong in it. So qigong can be translated as to cultivate your life force. Okay. And as I said before, we already have life force. So in the Qigong, what we're going to do, so the slow gentle movements, we open up the body again. We open up the meridians and so forth so that the Qi can flow freely. And with the Qigong, usually you take charge of your health by yourself. Usually we go like somewhere, okay, fix me up, which is nice, you know, get a nice massage or whatever. But there we take, you know, we empower ourselves, you know, to heal our body and mind. With this, you know, movement. So that means you can do it anytime, anywhere, wherever you want it, and so forth. You're not depending on the outside circumstances. How it relates to health, naturally, you know, if the, they say like if you're in harmony with heaven and earth, this body is healthy. But of course, it's not only the body, but also the mind. You cannot see a, a person is health, healthy, if his mind is somehow, you know, distorted or whatever, right? It might be healthy in the body, but the mind is, you know, totally off, for instance, right? So it's very important that we see both, body and mind, and how they relate each other, you know, like we could do this exercise, how the mind influences the body and vice versa. And so, for instance, like on that... Like on uh, that uh, weekend workshop now, we kind of like, we clean out old stuff. Because that's very important, like in my understanding. It's not so much to gather anything, okay, that's all we want. I want, give it to me, I want, I need that, I need that, you know, I need that workshop. You look at the spiritual magazines, you know, what they all promise you, you know, if you take that workshop, you look at it, yeah, that's exactly what I need, or whatever, right? So in in this case, like what you do also tomorrow, is like letting go of that old stuff. Forgiveness meditation on a mental uh, level, on a physical level, ah, ah, whatever you're carrying around because incidents which happen maybe in our you know childhood whatever you know and maybe high school the teacher yelled at you you know boom it somewhere gets contracted in your body right and then over the time you know it's you know accumulating whatever you know. And so, with the Qigong, it's a very slow process, a very gentle process. It's not really like violent process. So then you open up these old you know, patterns which might you know, stuck in some parts of your body. And then we can release that old stuff. But first, it has to come in consciousness. Because in order to let go of something, we have to know what you let go. Otherwise, you cannot let go. So that means it has to come up into your consciousness. You look at it, okay, and then sayonara. And you let go of it. So Qigong in ways like conditions both like mind and body or a ceiling for mind and body. It's not only like one and the other. And in the old days, Qigong was only taught to sort of like mature human beings. Because it's really a way of you live your life. not rather the exercises. Now in the West, more or less, or in China, more or less, you know, Qigong is more like, you know, whatever for you or kind of like only for your body more or less, right? Then they hit with the hammer, you know, on their head, and like, wow, look, and all that stuff, right? But Qigong is, you know, developing both also mind and body. Because the powers which can, you know, uh, unravel or unfold, if your mind is not, you know, mature enough, you know, one can do a lot of damage, you know, hmm. with these, you know, forces of nature, meaning forces of nature, how you can manipulate, or how you might manipulate your s- surroundings, your environment. And if the mind is not clear, you can do harm, you know. If it's for egoistic, you know, purposes, you use it. That helps a little bit. Mm. Okay. Well, then let's do a little bit, Qigong. How about that? Yeah? Okay. Let's get up. Move it. So then first just stretch a little bit. Oh, John. Big sound spaces. So So, then you stand sort of like shoulder width apart. So if you stand, it's maybe better if you stand on the if you can on the floor because then you get a better stance. So just move a little bit your cushion if you have enough space. And then again, first thing is always like breathing staccato. Uh, so you breathe in, let go of that call. <coughs> Breathing in, present moment, let go. And the third. Time. And for a moment, just close your eyes, get out of your mind, into your body, down to your feet, earth, sensing you're standing on the earth, the hardness, earth element again, contact, source on your feet. Knees slightly open, body upright, shoulders drop, relax your face, soften your face, smile. And then cross hands at your belly. There's an area below your belly button called your tantien, or your hara. Like in this country we talk about your gut feeling, your level of intuition, your powerhouse, it's down there. So you're breathing into that area. So what happens? Mechanic, breath coming into the nostrils, lungs expanding, there's a muscle below the ribcage called the diaphragm and it gets pushed out on the exhalate, inhalation. Exhalation, belly coming in, diaphragm gets pushed out, air comes out of the lungs and you exhale. So that's the mechanic of the breath. So try that. Inhale, belly rising. Exhale, belly falling. Returning to our original breath. Okay, good. Let your arms come down. Gently open your eyes. Let your gaze be soft and then swing your arms. Just like that. Make sure you've got enough space behind you. Try to keep the arms parallel. Not like this. Parallel. Okay, let go. So that you not like close your armpits. You want to keep that open. And that's, by the way, right away the most practiced Qigong exercise in the world already. So here you want to find a place of least effort. That means now if you swing your arms high, there's effort involved. Check it out. Really? Do it? Come on, not think about it. Do it. Swing high. There's some effort involved, isn't it? And now you let your arms come down. Down and down. Let them come down, your arms. Open your eyes. Look at me. Tune into my energy field. And just see that the arms just come and go by itself. Means what goes forward must go backward. The southing sounds good. Not high. Let go. Look at me. Open your eyes. Just let go. You you swing only actually as high as your belly button. If you swing higher, there's some effort involved. You don't have to throw your arms down because it just come down by itself. So that gravity takes over. And then, probably at the moment, maybe millions of people swing their arms. <laughs> And if you swing your arm you can't do any harm.
0: (laughs) Okay,
2: okay, that's it. (laughs) So keep your elbows fairly straight because if you move your elbows like this, there's another sort of like effort involved. So movement coming out from your shoulders. You drop your arms, gravity takes over, you feel your arms come come heavy. So what it does is opens up frozen shoulders. Very good for frozen shoulders. Very good for tension between your shoulder blades. Nowadays, the most common tight area in the human body due to Google or whatever. (laughs) Driving, car driving. Because the arms are actually an extension of the ego to manipulate your surroundings. I want, give it to me. Holding on to things, squeezing the life force out of them, whether it's relationship or something else. right? And the opposite, pushing away, I don't lie, get away. So all the arms, very important, that's why we are all like, that's where the whole tension is involved. Heads up, most important, because if you are down, means Waikiki, gone. <laughs> you see people walking around, their head is down, or mostly their head is not here, but still they are gone. So here, if you look straight ahead, because 70% of the sense per- perceptions happen via the eyes. So it's important that you be aware of seeing. And if seeing doesn't happen anymore, again, why keep seeing? So, heads up. So, we're going to do that now for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> I'll give you five tools. Okay, the first one, okay, later. So, keep going. So, so you want to do that? the minimum, let's say two minutes, which equals about 100 swings. Like one minute is about 50 swings. You can do three minutes, it's 150 times. Very good. Okay, now just let your arms swing out. And when they come to hold halt, you close the eyes and feel the effect, what's going on in your body, what you feel. Maybe there's a tingling now, maybe a vibration, a pulsation. And where? In your hands and your feet? Can you sense this field of energy? Good. Oh, open your eyes. So five tools. So the first one is a breathing staccato. So that means this breathing staccato is like if you have a pressure cooker and you boil something, whatever. And the pressure, is, if it's too, it's too high, then add on the top of valve, right? Valve. Which was like, oh, pressure is too high. So, this is a breathing staccato. The pressure is on. If you run a red light and you know, and you see the blue and red light behind you, <laughs> and you know, oh, it's oh, going to be how many dollars or whatever. And before the officer is coming, you know, knocking at the window. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to go into a meeting, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's just like, oh, I don't know, breathe staccato. One story I always tell, but it's a pretty good story. I was teaching at the Stress Reduction Clinic in Worcester, Massachusetts. One woman was driving with a husband in a the car. They had a fight in the car. And usually when they had a fight, the guy would always take off somewhere. So this time he couldn't take off. So they were in the car. <laughs> energy, right, sometimes gets really thick, you know, when you have a fight, right? People, oh, oh, you So anyway, so the energy got stuck in that car. So then she remembered, oh, breathing staccato. And she was breathing oh, staccato. And her husband thought she has a heart attack. And her husband was going, oh, honey, you know, you're OK, you're OK, you know. And afterwards, it was all smooth, easy going. But then she said she could pull off this only one time. But she knew what's happening. So anyway, if pressure is up, breathing staccato first tool the second tool was that one just swing your arms third tool rub your palms make it nice and hot you bend forward and feel the warmth penetrating your lower back can you feel that? okay and then you rub your lower back because due to all the sitting you know all day long by rubbing you increase the blood circulation Meaning oxygen, oxygen get carried into that area, waste products get carried away. Then you make a new fist and pummel wherever you feel tight or tense. Left and right out of the spine, butthole, You have to bend forward to open your lower back. Okay, then you're up again, and then you come up again. In the air. So that's very important, also in the morning, when you get up, do like these exercises because here, you also activate your uh, kidneys. Number one, detox organ, right? And before you go to the loo, right? Because the body is still for whatever, seven, eight hours or so, so it's good to activate the kidneys and drink a glass of warm water. Also flush out the toxins. Okay, plus one, two, three, number four, you left leg right up, you go like that, you open your joints. So actually you're not lifting your leg, you lift your knees. So you open the knee joints, you open hip joints, shoulders open, elbows open, wrists open. Get a little bit aerobic workout. Stay cool. If you do that in 10 minutes, you really get a good workout going <laughs> okay. Then you come back down, breathing after one time then. Now close your eyes again, or make the two, yeah. <clears throat> again, feel what's going on. Feel the breath, now let the breath go down in your belly again. And feel again the tingling, vibrations, sensations, etc. So now, one question, how old are these sensations? 20, 30, 40 years? Are these sensations male or female? Are they a father, mother, son, daughter? Do they have a profession? Nationality? See that this body is just this feel of energy. Okay. And number five, I call it the circle of life. Cross hands and your belly. Mm-hmm. Breathing with your whole body, in inhalation, you unfold. And exhale, you bring the energy back down so you sink a little bit. You bring it back to your tantrum. So again, it's not a stretching, it's an unfolding. From your center, you unfold, inhale, breathing with all your pores of the body. 84,000 pores are breathing. And centering. So breathing is through the nose. Inhale, unfold, and exhale. Centering. Inhale, and exhale. So it's a rhythm of life. The morning mid-morning, evening, at night time again. The spring, the summer, the autumn, and the winter, long winter, you unfold. Know, Rhythm of life, birth, adulthood, old age, and you know what's next. Okay, one more. Unfold. Getting this sense of being alive. And then from there, you bring the chi up to your heart. It's called embracing the tiger. You hold the tiger here. Palms facing you. Then you let go of the tiger. Bring your palms down. And you bring the chi back to your center called return to the mountain. Embracing the tiger, return to the mountain. Okay, let's do that again. From the center. Unfold, inhale. Exhale. For the next inhalation, bring energy to your heart. Embrace the tiger, that wild little furry animal in there. Let go. Return home base. Okay, and the third time. One more. Unfold. Exhale, inhale to your heart, embrace the tiger, let go, return to the mountain. I just for one, close your eyes and be still and feel. What you feel, what you sense. How does it feel? Small, medium, large, x large. How is the breath coarse, fine, long, small? stable, balanced, good, okay, so, morning, five exercises, five tools, because you breathe anyway already, it's not like you have to add something to your precious mind, swing your arms. You can do that anywhere. If you stand in line, <laughs> probably he will be right the first in, in line. Wherever you stand, bus stand or whatever. I'll do it on the plane. Long air, airplane, airline, uh, airlines, uh, air flights. Yeah. But nowadays you have to be careful, right, what you're doing on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is a good the third one oh, after long periods in your office, you know, like, oh, okay. Up your lower How about, and then rub again. So then you come up. Next one. Marching. Achtung. Nice. You can say you learned it from a German guy. <laughs> okay. 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 Done. Fourth one was Oh, it was
0: circle
2: of life. Oh no, yeah, yeah, okay. That was the first one already. Staccato, swinging. Yeah, fourth one. Fifth one, circle of life. Ah, so then, like when you come out of the house, you know, you open the door before you go to the car. You just open. Ah, heaven above, earth below. Another day, appreciate. Another day in paradise. And then you bring, a, embrace a tiger let go, return to the mountain. And then you can have your coffee and then (laughs) Then go off to work. Yeah? If
0: you're you're doing morning meditation, would you do this before you do your set or after?
2: Yeah, I know. This you have to really see for yourself. Some people like to sit and then do the exercises. Some people first like to do the exercises and to sit. So it really depends. Sometimes you feel like, okay, I just want to be quiet before you do it med- and some, sometimes you feel like okay I have to move a little bit to move the energy so it's really depends on you so there's no right or wrong so. okay and then we finish up by letting the moon rise good moon rising left arm coming up <laughs> so then with the right hand you form the fist the Sun empty fist here comes the sun da, 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 da. And then, Sun and Moon getting married. Thank you for well, that evening. Enjoy the rest of the evening today. Or no, not today. Tomorrow or whatever is the longest day, right? Summer solstice. Oh, so, yeah, i sure the rest of the evening. And if you feel like, Saturday, tomorrow, and Sunday until about like maybe 1 or 2 o'clock. Healing sounds, take it out, if you feel like. It basic. It Will you have it's basic. You want to come? Right start? down the street in the Ivyville
1: here,
2: Minneapolis, here in right. start at 9.30 to our work. Healing sounds, what I thought. Healing oh, sounds.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah.